The passage from which today's sermon is based comes from the book of Galatians 6. This is what it says. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, but especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What I'd like to do uh, this morning is to focus on the first verse of this passage, which is a verse that tells us what to do as a congregation when a member of the church falls into serious sin. And before I dive into this, just a word of explanation. The, uh, the Scripture passages that we read in church on a Sunday morning are taken from a lectionary. And a lectionary is it's basically a Bible reading plan that's designed for churches to use in their worship services. Um, most, most lectionaries, like the one that we follow, are designed so that over the course of three years, the congregation basically hears the entire Bible. Maybe not every verse, but if, if you come to a church where they read the lectionary, you, you're, you're going to hear from every book of the Bible major, major sections of it over the course of three years. It's a lot of Bible reading. And so a, a disadvantage of reading from the lectionary is sometimes you come to church and you hear some pretty weird passages being read. I mean, sometimes it's just like, why, are, why in the world are we reading this, right? So a disadvantage of, of uh, using lectionaries, sometimes you hear, uh, you have to hear these weird passages. An advantage of using a lectionary is you get to hear the weird passages, right? I mean, you, you, get, to, you get to hear what the Apostle Paul called the whole counsel of God. And that's, that's important for uh, for preachers, because sometimes preachers, if we just pick and choose what we want to talk about, we end up just kind of riffing on our three favorite, you know, theological hobby horses every, every three weeks. We just recycle it, or we, we just kind of respond to whatever was in the news last week. And, and um, as a church, we need to hear everything God might want to say to us in His Word. So the reason I'm saying that this, the verse I'm preaching on is just, this comes from one of the lectionary readings. So uh, I, I want you to know, I, as I said, I'm going to talk today about what we should do as a church when one of the members falls into serious sin. And I don't want you looking around wondering who it was and what they did. 
I don't want you squirming your sink, think, think, see, thinking I'm talking about you. This, is just, this just happened to be on the menu for today, all right? It's in God's Word, so apparently we need to talk about it. So let, let, me, uh, let me read the verse for you again. Here's what Galatians 6 verse 1 says. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Now, let, let me break my thoughts into two parts. First, what is this verse calling us to do? All right, what this verse is calling us to do. And then secondly, let's think about why, why we are called to do this. So, so to begin, what is, what is Galatians 6 verse 1 calling churches to do? Well, you notice that these in, the instructions are designed for a very specific situation, right? It says, if someone is caught in sin, and you could translate that phrase caught in sin as uh, it could be to be trapped in sin, to be overcome by some sin, to be overtaken by some trespass. One Bible translates it this way. If anyone has fallen by chance into any fault. So that's the situation that's described here. And in a situation like that, what are we supposed to do? Kick them out of the church? No, Gossip about them endlessly? No. Avoid them like the plague? No. Look the other way and pretend nothing's wrong? No. The, the, the apostle says we are to restore that person. Restore that person gently. Now, how, how do you restore someone who is broken and hurting and and perhaps scared and resistant, and they've fallen into sin. How, how do you restore someone? Well, the, the word that's translated restore was a word that in the first century, it, it, it meant to set a broken bone or to pop a dislocated limb back into joint. You, you ever see someone with a, a dislocated shoulder getting it popped back into the socket? It hurts. It's painful. So I think that verb is, is just implying to us that the process of restoring a fallen sinner sometimes might be painful for them. I, w I wonder if you've ever had somebody confront you about something in your life that was wrong, maybe an attitude that needed to change or some pattern of behavior that was, was not honoring to God. Have you ever had someone confront you? I have. It does not feel good. All right, there, there's, there might be some pain involved in this. But even though the process might be painful initially, we need to understand the goal is always that the person be healed, that they be restored, which, which uh, it means that they be delivered from what controls them, that they be, be rescued from what might otherwise destroy them, that they be reestablished in the community of the redeemed. And um, above anything else, it means that they never, ever, ever, ever again have to be clothed in some kind of mantle of shame. You ever feel shame? They, they tell us that um, there's a difference between guilt and shame. All right, here's the distinction I've heard, that, that guilt is when you feel bad over something that you've done. And listen, if you've done something wrong, you should feel bad about it, right? Guilt is not necessarily bad. Guilt is when you feel bad over something you've done. Shame is just when you feel bad about who you are. Like there's something wrong with you. And we need to understand this. Guys, God hates shame. He hates for his people to be 
covered with shame. Remember in the garden when, when, uh, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, the first thing they felt was shame. Remember, they tried to hide themselves. And one of the first things God did for them was what? He covered their shame. He just covered that up. So when you think about this process of, of restoring people who have fallen, listen, if repentant sinners in our church still feel a sense of shame over what they may have done, that means that our job of restoring them is not yet finished, right? So, so restoring a sinner, it, might, it means confronting them, it means freeing them, it means ridding them of their shame. One uh, Christian counselor named Lewis Smeads wrote very honestly about his own struggle with shame and what he needed in that moment. He wrote this. He said, what I felt most was a glob of unworthiness. I just felt unworthy. He says, what I needed more than pardon was a sense that God accepted me. God owned me. God held me and affirmed me and that God would never let go of me, even if he wasn't very impressed with what he had on his hands. Right? So that's, that's what it means to restore someone. Now, you'll notice... Um, the apostle does not give us step-by-step instructions, exactly what you're to, to do to restore someone who's fallen. It's not like, step number one, you do this. Step number two, you do that. Step number three. And he doesn't give us those kind of instructions, which I, th- I think is probably a good thing. I mean, would, would you agree with me that not every situation is the same? Not every person is the same? Different problems might call for different solutions. So apparently, this verse is telling us that if if we need to restore someone who's fallen, we're going to have to pray, and we're going to have to think, and we're going to have to listen to each other and listen to the Lord. We're going to have to employ some of that old-fashioned wisdom when we think about their situation. I love love the way the the Bible translation, the message, renders uh, Galatians 6, verse 1. It says, says, if someone falls into sin, it says, live creatively. Isn't that a great term? Just live creatively. Think about what you might do as a community to help this person be back on their feet again, following the Lord with no shame at all in their life. What would would be involved in that? Now, that does sound kind of hard to do, doesn't it? (laughs) does sound hard, but the, the, the good news is that whenever we're involved in the work of restoration, we never, ever do that work alone. The Holy Spirit is with us. Notice what the apostle says. He says, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit, you live by the Spirit, should restore that person. Galatians, Galatians 4 verse 6 says this. It says, God sent the Spirit of His Son where? It says, into our hearts. We have the Holy Spirit with us to help us restore the fallen. And that's good news. Be, being, told that, uh, being told that the Holy Spirit will help you restore a fallen person, that's like being told that Superman's going to help you load your moving van. All right, like you just, you don't have to worry that you're going to be able to get the job done. The Holy Spirit is with us. And as the Holy Spirit helps us, one of the things that invariably He will guide us to do is to approach the situation with gentleness. In the chapter before this, the apostle says that gentleness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
If you, if you see people interacting with broken, fallen sinners and they are not gentle with them, they're not moving in the Spirit. The Spirit, He calls us to gentleness. So notice the Apostle says, if someone's caught in a sin, you who li- live by the Spirit should restore that person. How? Gently. The thing to keep in mind is that whenever, whenever you are interacting with a sinner, you are interacting with someone who was created in the image of the eternal God. And whenever you interact with a sinner, if that person is a believer, you are interacting with someone who's been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. So, so whenever you're, you're interacting with a sinner, uh, uh, whether they're yet repentant or not, listen, whenever you're interacting with someone who's a sinner, you're dealing with someone who really, really matters to the Lord. You, you could say you're, you're handling precious cargo. It's like you're carrying a Stradivarius in your backpack, or you got the Hope Diamond in your front pocket. You're, you're, you're dealing with precious cargo. So be gentle when you deal with a sinner because you're dealing with someone God dearly loves. So here's the word. Brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. That's what we're called to do. Now, why? Why are we called to do this? Why? Let me just point two basic, basic reasons. The first, the first reason we're called to restore people is because sin is very serious. It's deadly. Now, usually for most of us, the easy thing to do when someone else in our life is entangled in some kind of sin, the easiest thing to do is just mind your own business, Right? Look the other way. I mean, who, which of us here needs more, more headaches in our life? Raise your hand if you'd like more headaches. Nobody needs more headaches, right? But here's the thing. If we believe that God's Word is true, we can't treat people that way when they're caught in sin. Why? Because God's Word tells us that sin is serious. You see it right here. Verse 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. A woman reaps what she sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. That word destruction is a word some other places in the New Testament. It's it's used to describe the eternal misery of hell. Whoever sows to the flesh will from the flesh reap destruction. But whoever sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So what's at play here is what? Eternal life or destruction. This is not a game. One pastor named Scotty Smith wrote this. Sin brings death. We tend to forget this. Death. If we saw a friend drinking poison, we wouldn't hesitate to do something. If we saw a friend stepping close to a pit of rattlesnakes, we would warn them. We need, he writes, we need to hate sin enough and love our friends enough to risk getting involved. Better to risk our awkwardness and their defensiveness than to watch another life or another marriage simply go down. Sin is, is serious. It's, it's deadly. And this is why the apostle also tells us that as we seek to restore other sinners, we need to keep a good eye on ourselves, right? Because we are sinners too. 
We need to watch out for ourselves. He says, if someone's caught in a sin, restore them. But he says at the end of the verse, watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. You see, when, when, we, when you get involved in carrying someone else's burdens, I'm going to help you with that sin, brother. I'm going to help you with that sin, sister. When you get involved in carrying someone else's burdens, you kind of forget about the burden you have to carry, right? Start comparing yourself to them. I'm not as bad as he is. Start feeling like you're special. Look, God is using me to restore others. And the next thing you know, you're flat on your face. That, that, that's what I think verse 3 to 5 is talking about. It says, if, any, if anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. So one reason we are called to restore each other when we fall is because sin is serious. Second reason we're called to do that is because God is gracious. Do you know that? God is, God is merciful. He, he delights to extend mercy to people. I love, so the verse again, I know I'm just hammering away on this one verse, but it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in, what does it say? A sin. More literally, you would translate that, any sin. The apostle doesn't say, you know, if someone's caught in a small sin, restore them. If someone's caught in what, like a respectable sin, restore them. He just says, any sin, it doesn't matter how bad, how ugly, it doesn't matter how long it's been going on, it doesn't matter how many times they've tried to repent and couldn't, it just, just, it just says, any sin, restore them. And what, what this is reminding us is this, listen, there is no act of evil a human being can commit that is too great to be covered by the mercy of God. Isn't that good news? If some of you have read the Bible. Think, think of the different people in the Bible that come to mind. People in the Bible who were restored by God. Let me, let me, let me go through some of them. Noah was a drunkard. Abraham was a liar. Sarah was a doubter. Jacob was a cheater. Moses was a murderer. Miriam was a grumbler. Aaron was an idolater. David was an adulterer. Peter was a traitor. Paul, the guy who wrote these words, was a persecutor of, of, of the church. And yet, all of these people, without exception, they weren't just forgiven by God. They were restored by God. Amen? Used by God. That's, God is so gracious. In the book of Galatians, the very beginning of the book, Galatians 1, verse 3 and 4, says this, Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Another way you could state that is this, God the Father is so committed to rescuing and restoring fallen, broken people that he gave his own son in their place. So that no matter what they've done, no matter how they've failed, no matter how many times they've failed, we can be assured absolutely that if we turn to Christ with repentant faith, we will be washed and restored and healed and forgiven and accepted and embraced and welcomed and received and eternally loved by God. How many of you think that's good news, right? So when, when we're involved in, in the work of restoring fallen sinners, listen, 
there's, there's, no, there's no work that can be done on earth that's closer to the heart of God than this work of restoring each other when we've fallen, right? God is so gracious. So that's why we're called to this work. Why? Because sin is serious. Let's, let's not play around. This is serious. But God is gracious. Where, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, right? God, sin is serious, but, uh, but God's grace is greater than all our sin. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that this work of restoration, healing, forgiveness, renewal, removal of shame, that this would be something that we experience and delight in as a as a community of faith again and again and again. We just pray today if there's anyone here who's uh, tottering and on the verge of giving in to some sin, that, Holy Spirit, would you rush to their help? Strengthen that. If there's anyone here just today thinking about how they've blown it, would, would, you, would you restore them and renew them and refresh them? And if they need to talk to a brother or sister, may they be listened to with loving ears restored. We thank you, Jesus, that you came to do this work, not just for sinners out there, you know, in the abstract, but for us. You love us, and we thank you for that. In Christ's name, amen.